Welcome to the Good Rookies Podcast. My name is Fahim. And my name is Nellie J. And we are Good Rookies. That's right. What's going on, everybody? This is Good Rookies Podcast. And you know what it is. It's Good Tuesday. And it's episode 50. Sorry, 16. <laughs> episode 16. <laughs> So, guys, we are so excited, y'all. We have an amazing guest. Yo, this man has all the class and the jokes. So, he will make you laugh this episode for sure, for sure. Fahim, please introduce who we got. <laughs> all right. So, we have a world-renowned DJ, a man of many hats, and a producer who moonlights as a DJ. Let's welcome DJ Agile to the podcast today. <laughs> What's up, guys, gals? How you guys? DJ Agile. DJ Agile. DJ Agile. DJ Agile. <laughs> yes. I'm going to sample that and make a beat. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, you could because you're that talented, bro. So you're a DJ and a producer. So can you, for, for folks who understand what producing is, please walk them through both DJing and, of course, producing music. Yeah, the, the two go hand in hand. Actually, a lot of music producers are DJs. So whether you, you know, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, um, it's a long, you know, Dr. Dre, uh, Rick Rubin. It's a, there's a long list of producers that either start as DJs or producers that, you know, they start as producers and then, then they learn how to DJ. It's like a, it's like a yin and yang, right? You, you want to be able to make, if if that's the music that you're into you and you're interested in how people move to music and and human movement um there's no other better job to study human movement than either kinesiology or being a dj it's one or the other <laughs> because literally we're playing joints and people are moving and if they're not moving you're not a good dj you're not gonna have that job for long right mm-hmm. um so sometimes it's like you know as a producer you want to go out and study it's like okay so why why are these songs? What is it about these beats that make people dance? What are they? What are they reacting to? What emotion are they exhibiting when you play said songs? Is it angry? Like is it like shook ones? You drop shook ones and everybody mean mugging. Even the hottest girl with the the slickest purse, cleanest outfit, you drop shook ones. She's mean mugging because the, mm-hmm. the 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 emotion Energy. tense. Mm-hmm. It's like. I'm gonna do these reps right now. It's workout music, even though I'm at the club. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so as a producer, learning how to DJ does two things, right? It, it teaches you about rhythm and syncopation, and then it teaches you how people react to the music. So I'm a producer first and kind of fell into DJing um, the same way I fell into producing. I just kind of fell in love with it in high school. And yeah, it's it's great. I. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, producing, that's my day job. DJing, that's my night job. So I have two jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm an honorary Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> honorary Jamaican. Dead ding. <laughs> well, that's dope, though, because there are certain songs, like, if they play that good life, pff, the scrubber will come out. And I'm downtown. So, yeah, I hear you on that still. Real right. talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, music, music is like the way our, our brains store music. It's... It's like timestamps, right? You remember certain places, who you were with, what you were doing, where you were at, what city you were in, what party you were at, when certain songs hit. So they'll right. they'll forever walk with you. They'll always they'll always be with you as that song at that time. Like so, for instance, um, you remember uh, Ja Rule and J Lo, I'm Real. Of course. Of course. So that summer when that song was kicking dust, my brother, my sister, and I. Uh, with our significant others, went to go visit my dad in Columbus, Ohio. That's how my brain marks that song. Oh. Wow. That's all I re- all I remember about that song. Right, is that? Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. I, go ahead. I have an experience of um, one time I was in in Jersey, going over the bridge to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I just remember. Remember that uh, Jay Z, Beanie Siegel, and Scarface? Guess who's Bizak? Woo! How could you forget? That came on the radio there, and there was traffic on the radio. So we're just stuck there. And that's a track that, whenever I hear that track, it takes me back to being on that bridge looking yeah. over. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's the same. Like that whole trip, we must have heard that song maybe like 80 times mm. over like five days, just because, you know, it was like kicking, kicking butt. 
and it was just on every no matter what station you were changing like you drive through detroit on the way to columbus and like every station in detroit's playing that and then you know you you get out of that you can't you lose the detroit signal and you're moving to the next city and when you finally get radio stations because you know like we were playing cds in the car but after you get bored you, you try to what's see what's a cd i'm joking this is <laughs> before you can walk like <laughs> walk with like four million songs on that you know i know right, right. Imagine, guys, imagine back in a day the, the stuff you had to do to, to keep songs and keep records like it, but i'll say now though records are making a comeback because i have a lot of friends now that are, are collecting records like they're actually record collecting it's actually a big push towards purchasing records nowadays so the history will, will repeat itself for for real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the good things too is, um, you know, if the hard drives ever went down on the planet, if any of that ever happened, I could still play all my music. I'm not like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. So yeah. that means that we'll all go to your house if, if anything ever happens to you know. It's, it's 2020. <laughs> I mean, shoot, like. Um, Butler's dating. I think. Um, um, what's her name? Um, Selena. Like, li listen. This year, everything's happening this year. So let's see what, what will happen with music, with music and the power outages. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he is dating Selena Gomez. It came out today for him. Who? Uh, buckets. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler and Selena Gomez. Yeah. It's not a huge. I know that there's age differences, but not, I mean, they're I both think... young things. They're both young things. Really? Twenties. Yeah, they're in the twenties. Agile just sitting there sipping his water. <laughs> man, listen. They're both they're both young things, man. But yeah, that came out today allegedly that they are that, that that's his new bay. All right. Well, congratulations. All the yeah. Best. So it's 2020, y'all. We'll see what happens. But if power goes out, y'all, we're all going to DJ Agile's house to play some music. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go to Actually, let's just focus on uh, a quick topic. Actually, a few of them. We got a few on deck. Just go in and out of them. Uh, Sarah Fuller. Mm. Uh, she's the first. And actually, I shouldn't say the first female kicker because I came to find out. I heard she's a third. She's the first one to play at a Pac-5 school. Is that how it goes? Nelly yeah. So essentially, okay. like the top. So Power 5. Power college, five. Okay, yeah, right. Power 5 college football game. So you know, that's the top highest league, right? Level of right. college football. Um but she's the third woman to compete in, in, in the FBS. So, okay. Yeah. And she was a kicker. Yeah. Yeah. So the, let's just kind of, um, so the first lady was Katie, um, Nita mm -hmm. for New Mexico. And then it was April, April Goss of Kent state. They kicked before her, but there, but those teams were of course in, in a different like level, whereas she's the first one to kick in at actually the highest level ever in college right. football. So that's a really big, so okay so just give some context the highest level but the team vanderbilt they're zero and eight apparently the worst team in the, in the league that's just and they fact. lost that that game she kicked in i think zero to 40 but yeah, keep in mind because of covid that's why they had like a lot of players are out this year because of oh, COVID. Okay. yeah so i want to ask you nelly j so how do you feel how does this make you feel uh seeing sarah fuller the female kicker uh, doing this um i think it's fantastic I, i've always said in football if women are ever going to play in a football game for any reason, it will have to be as a, a kicker, right? right. Um, when it comes to football, you know, these guys are obviously benching how much weight. They're massive men, right? So uh, for, for, girls to, for, for girls to play with, with boys in football is a bit different, maybe up until a certain age group. But after that, you know, like comes to muscle, strength, and weight, you know, it's just anatomy, right? So... I think it's cool. Like she's gonna travel with them on their next game this week, and um, you know, even though the team isn't doing that well because of injuries and COVID-related issues, I think it's really cool to see um, women kind of crossing that barrier. And who knows, right? I think this is the thing, right? A lot of times when it comes to even women um, being involved in football, right, commentating, broadcasting, it will bring more respect towards. A, a, a female's voice in sports by seeing women playing with, with 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 men in sports too so i think it's fantastic big up to her she's very confident she got that swag and she was like yeah like her goal is to keep playing right and getting stronger so i wish her all the luck and all the best okay so see how you say she can she wishes to continue playing right yes uh so i'm a but, girl dad hold on i'm a but, girl but, dad go ahead go ahead 
uh, playing with this team, but not the NFL. I mean, playing. No, 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 not even yeah, that. College, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand the context of what you're saying, okay. right? I'm just saying I'm a girl dad, right? And <laughs> I see. So actually, I got I got two part with this. One, being a female and playing football, uh, it's good to see this happening. You know, uh, from an optic standpoint, mm -hmm. but it's not like she she earned her right on the team. Let's be real. Like, it's not like she's kicking farther than the men, right? Um, she was there. And even if she decides she wants to go further with this, the furthest she can go is the lingerie league, which is uh, a football league for yes. women. Yes. So being a woman. And, they do, and they, they do well. They make enough money. That one girl got a $2 million contract. So they're making more money than some of the players in the, in the WNBA. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, it's, it's just, I just wonder what the, if, if there's, like, is is the play to get women, acts, like, for football, I understand women watch football, but is it mm -hmm. the play for them to also be, it to be a woman's sport? No, no, no. So her, remember, she's, she's there for a soccer scholarship. So she's, she's a soccer athlete, right? That's her, that's her sport. Mm -hmm. And she plans on playing soccer professionally. That's her goal. Right. But she has the legs to kick the football, right? That's why she's a kicker for the team. But her goal is to play soccer professionally and not just football. That's her. That's her end game is soccer. But the, I mean, imagine the coach is saying that my team's injured, my kickers are not available to kick. Like he had to pick someone that can step up, and she said yes. I mean, most some people. I mean, could have said no. You know what I'm saying? But she was like, you know what? I'll do it. No problem. So you're a soccer player um, playing football in a men's in a power five like game that's huge so for her to even do it to say yes and she, she did pretty well of course she won't cook well right now she won't kick for any field goals yet or punting it's just like the the first kick in the game the kickoff yeah, yeah kickoff yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm not i'm not for or against it i mean i think women can play those type of more physical sports uh in certain roles i mean I'm waiting for a, a, a woman to become a quarterback of a team. I think, you know, the right type of woman would be suited. First of all, women are highly intelligent, obviously, mm -hmm. great multitaskers and, and able to think on the fly. And I mean, that's the job of a quarterback, right? Um, so when I think of someone like, uh, what, what was, I think it, Lucy Lawless, is that her name? The, the actress? She's like a more athletic, bigger. Okay bigger set girl or like mm -hmm. even someone like you know rest in peace china from wrestling mm. um oh, right 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 yeah. they were quarterbacks i it wouldn't shock me in, in the least if that they could do the job i mean they, they have the physical prowess to handle the the abuse of the game and um if they were smart to ha like you know the quarterback is a thinking position right so if they were smart enough to do the job i don't see why a woman wouldn't be able to be a quarter i think being a, a a quarterback, a kicker, and maybe a defensive back uh, are the three positions that I could see women playing uh, like with men in in any league if they were, you know, on that level. It's just like when you get to like you know like a lineman. I I really don't see like a line woman. Yeah, like linemen. Right. It's no. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too. They're too massive. Yeah, they're I, like tall I, and they're they're wider. Yeah, it's, it just becomes less likely, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm back. But listen, like, I, I truly believe never say never. Um, and I think, you know, remember, there's only been three women who've played in college football ever. And she's the first one playing in a Power 5 game ever. I mean, we're in the cusp of, like, history here. You know what I mean? So but it's still a historic moment. It's still amazing to see her doing it. But... I mean, will it happen um, again? It probably will happen again because who, who knows what can happen. But I, I think if a girl wants to play football and she plays against guys and plays with women later on, that's not a fault to her. Like, I think it's cool. I mean, why not do it? If you can, then do it. <laughs> do, do, you think, do you think that um, that there's only been three women because it's been more of a boys club and they haven't even given, given women that bligh, given them that chance to be like, hey... Because I'm sure there's more women that were capable of, of playing. They just didn't get that chance, right? Yeah, I, I think it's many factors. I think it's, you know, remember, it, it's men's, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a men's college league. So that's another factor, right? It's like, it's a it's a boys league to begin with, right? right. Um, but 
I just think that, like Fahim said, it was just timing. I think there was injuries. There was people who had COVID. And literally, the depth chart is like, is like she's the only one for kickoffs. Like, that's her role right now. And the coach said that, like, literally, he wants her on the team. And he's like, I will play who's best for that day. He's like, if it's Sarah, she'll start. If it's not, she won't start. But he's like, I'm not going to start her because of her gender or not her gender. If she says she wants to go and play and in practice, she's member practicing. She's playing against these men and my team and she's showing potential. I will start her. So I think that's fair when it comes to equality, right? If she's can take the hits and, and doing a good job in practice, why not put her in a game? Like, why not? It's, it's still her choice. You know what I mean? She, plus, remember, she's 21. Right. I do have a, I do have a question, a housekeeping question. You know, like the coaches usually talk in the dressing room or the change rooms before the game, the pre, like, is she, obviously she's not changing in there with them, but like, how does she participate in that part of the game? And if women were to be a part of the game, like, how would they participate? Like, that's been such a, a part of the game, right? Like the dressing room or change room. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it just depends, right? Like, like, I'm not sure the, the aesthetics of how it works, but they probably will have their... I mean, typically they're not part. They have their clothes on. If not, they have maybe their their shirts off, but they're not naked. You know what I mean? Skype. So, pardon me, fame. I say Skype. <laughs> Skype her. <laughs> Zoom ting, a Zoom ting. No, like who knows? But I'm sure. The, I mean, at the end of the day, they'll probably figure it out. Yeah. It's one. It's one player. I remember it's the first one ever. So they're probably gonna try different things to see how it works. But I mean, it's still historic. It's still incredible. And she and she enjoys it, like she loves it. And again, this girl plays soccer, plays soccer on the team, so she's obviously very talented. No, you know what I'm saying? Fair. She's athletic. She has the skills there, and she wants to play. So I think for her, I mean, I mean, why not make history? Like the team's crap anyway, so why not play? Mm. <laughs> like why not? Right. That's fair. Um, so best of luck, Sarah Fuller. We'll see how this how the season goes, continuing with her. They continue to to use her uh, to make history. So, uh, so did, uh, agile. Did you DJ agile? Did you see the League of Legends review? Um, I only watched the uh, the Tyson and the uh, uh, Roy Jones Jr. fight. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I caught it. I was working, and then I was like, "Oh shoot, the fight's on!" Um, so I caught it in the second round. So I watched it from the second round to the end. Okay. Tyson clearly beat him. That, that was such a BS. Oh, it's a draw. I'm like, no, not everybody's going home with a ribbon tonight. Like, he got, he lost. Like, Roy Jones lost. That's okay. I mean, the fact that they were two 50-year-olds punching the lights out of each other is amazing. I mean, I feel I felt bad for Nate Robinson because he's turned into the meme of the year. Um, but, you know, I watch, I watch sports shows, and they all said it on Monday. They all, they're like... You can go pretend to, to golf. You can go to pretend to play hockey. You can go to pretend to play a lunch a bunch of sports. You can't pretend. You can't play box. There's no such right. thing as box. You get in the ring. You either know what you're doing, or you get a defaz. And he, <laughs> I mean, I watched him. Like my mind was blown because I'm not into like MMA and all that stuff. I used to be into boxing, but I don't know. As I'm getting older, I'm just not as attracted to those sports as I used to be. And I've become like a supreme basketball geek. Um, but I want, I, I know a little bit about boxing. You know, I'm from Scarborough. Like, you know, you, even if you're not a good fighter, you know how to at least put your hands in front of your face. Right. And don't step into a punch. Yo, with your hands down. the things, bro. He had, his, I had no defense. His momentum was into the fist. I'm like, this is one on one. Even the the worst, even the even the the road man's that's like zero for ninety nine, fighting on the street knows not to step into a punch. No, I I don't know what to say. I I, I thought it was. It, I mean, overall, was I think the best thing for the whole night was Snoop Dogg. Snoop was amazing. Yes, a lot of people are saying that he should uh, get into commentating NBA games. Bro, it was he was look. I was surprised at how knowledgeable he was, mm -hmm. like, and I and I shouldn't be because he's such a sports guy. But he really like he had technical prowess that I didn't, you know, think mm -hmm. that he would have. And he was very entertaining, and he had good little analogies and sequential. And you know, he, he's a rapper, so he's quick on his quick with the words and 
you know, he has a great voice, so it was also massaging and soothing. Snoop was dope. I would I would watch more boxing if Snoop was doing more commentating. HBO hire that guy, he's fire. Right. Bingo. But but can they afford him? Um I mean can they afford him. So a, a few things that I thought you'd mention, Agile, because they had lots of artists performing, which typical, typical. So I forgot. So, so like you didn't watch the entire night, but they had like literally three or four songs, like artists performing between each fight, which is so some some fans were saying that it was too much and they didn't like it, and some fans thought that it was actually a good thing. So like, what are your thoughts with the with the performances in between the fights? I saw all the performances by themselves. They were terrible performances. So it's not that I, I thought there were too much performances. Mm-hmm. I think the performers that they hired were not suited for 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 the gig. I mean, Santana's rapping over his vocals on TV. I mean, it's bad enough if you do that at a concert. And this is this is not this is not a diss to French Montana. Like I like French Montana. Huh? I think <laughs> I like the music. I like him. I like his. I like his swag, his idiotic, but you know, a show is a show and rapping over your vocals is lazy. It's supremely lazy. And, but most importantly, it doesn't sound good. It's never sounded good. Like the, the only time I ever let that slide is if an artist is in a club and they came up to the DJ booth or whatever, and they wanted to rock the mic for a second and they were big enough to do that kind of thing and turn up the place. And the DJ didn't have their instrumentals. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But you're performing on pay-per-view. And you're not rocking an instrumental. Yeah. Are you amateur? You know, you're French Montana. You're multi-platinum. You got bangers after bangers. You bun down clubs and concerts all across the world. This is like 101. You can't rap. Like, you can have your ad-libs. You can maybe have a hook if you're not a strong singer, mm-hmm. but you can't have your lead rap track and you're rapping over your lead rap track. That's like two people talking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, good take on that because I know for me, I wasn't really happy with, with the performances. I thought my, for me, the highlight was Snoop. Like Snoop cracked me up when he said, so So if you watch the, the Jake Paul fight, when he went, when Nate went in the first time, remember he was he was knocked down three times, okay, three times. The first time he got knocked down, uh, Snoop Dogg was like, "Oh Lord, right?" Like <laughs> he was just so funny. And then Snoop Dogg st- began to sing hymns, like actual, <laughs> hymn, like spiritual you know, hymns, spirituals, yeah, spirituals throughout the fight. So th- th- this time I am I am in tears and I feel bad. I'm like, "Yo, poor Nate's getting killed in the ring," and I'm deading because Snoop is so funny. And then I remember um, Snoop goes, wow, no defense. Oh, he's too eager. Oh, it's a street fight. Oh, it's in the hood. Like, he's not trying to fight in the hood. Like, I'm like, Snoop, I can't, bro. I'm like, I'm literally in tears watching this man, poor, poor Nate, getting knocked out. And I'm laughing so hard because Snoop is making me laugh. Like, he was so good. And he's then, uh, pardon me? <laughs> and then um, for, like, the mic fight, what I liked was when, uh, I forgot his name, but no, Ray. Ray was like, "Oh, Roy, Roy is trying to um, frustrate Mike." And Snoop goes, "Does he really want to frustrate Mike?" And again, I'm, I'm like, "Because you know, Mike bite ears off, right?" So I'm like, "Bro, Roy, please don't get your ear bitten off. Like, Mike isn't that dude. Like, he will get upset." So, but I, I really think that Mike was more prepared. He was definitely more um, conditioned. Uh, Ray was so mash up, like bust up. His backside was like panting. I, I, after the first round, my man was like this. <sighs> I'm like, bro, it's only one round. You have seven more to go, right? <laughs> um, the judges' cards were so biased. Um, I think Vinny, I think the third judge, he gave literally Roy 10 for every round. And I'm like, how's that possible? I love Roy, but how's that possible? Now, Roy got some good hits, but I do think overall, like... It, Looking at conditioning and what Mike was able to do with Roy, I thought Mike should have won that fight. But again, the judges put you know put in their score, and I think um, I think on Twitter they're saying that like it's Vegas, right? They wanted Vegas wanted them to tie because they want a part two. You know yeah. what I mean? Come on, it's all money. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what, they, they all got paid to fight, win or lose. So it is what it is. Yeah, it was. I mean. Roy was panting because Mike was beating him in the body. So he had 
no air in his lungs. You can tell, like some of those hits. I if they could if they could visualize the air coming out of his lungs on the hits, you just see puffs of clouds of oxygen leaving every hit. Because you know it's Tyson, right? Like even though he's fifty years old, he if he thumps you, it's still gonna. It's gonna... Yo, he can poke me and I will fall off. I'll I'll, I'll pass out. Like, yeah. Mike's arms were like, I'm like, yo, Mike is still like cut, bro. <laughs> yeah. And he was he was taking it to the body. Like he was just punching the, the air out of those lungs over and over. So you see, even after the fight, like he's still. <sighs> yeah. He was holding his ribs. Yeah. He's holding his ribs. Um, One thing I can say, Mike definitely, he does the form. Like uh, maybe not the power and everything, but he looked like as much as Mike had been boxed in like over 15 years. Uh, Roy had boxed pretty recently within the last two years, uh, but Mike looked in better boxing form uh, than Roy did. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, if there's going to be a part two, I don't think anyone's going to be down for the part two. But we have to give a shout out to League of Legends just to the fact that it was a successful night in regards from an entertainment standpoint. Absolutely. And if they can subtract Mike and Roy and slip in another two marquee names of some point and then do the same formula have better artists this time um have a dope undercard like they did this time i think people will tune in for a part two of whenever they do this next league league of legends so we gotta shut them out but the part two must have snoop like i'm not i'm not i will boycott in the ring them. you understand i will boycott them they better they better hire snoop for all league of legends anything <laughs> he should be the no like real talk like he was my highlight like i literally was at home and i was literally busting a tear because of snoop dogg's foolishness he was so funny <laughs> yeah we get i don't want to see them if, if snoop's not there I, i'm 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 out hmm. and also that, that, that i forgot israel i'm um, the ufc fighter he was really good right. too right he was really good uh, i liked good. him mm -hmm. yeah he was good um so uh steph curry He's got his own brand under Under Armour now. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, much I'm like, laughing at, at Agile, not at Curry. Oh, well, <laughs> with, with, the, with the form with the three. Yes. Uh, much, <laughs> much like uh, like Jordan, Jordan Brand. Uh, now, Steph nothing like Jordan Brand. Nothing like Jordan no, well, Brand. Well, no, you know, do not listen. Jordan, Jordan Brand is a own, thing. Eh? I'm just saying, Jordan can <laughs> sign his own player, his own players to his brand. Steph now can sign uh, players to his brand. Uh, what do you guys think in regards to, is there any player in particular that you think would be the first one up under uh, Steph's under armor, armor, armor brand? No. No one in particular. Who'd want to be, okay, okay. Who'd want to be on, on, under Steph Curry's brand right now? If I'm a player, a rookie player, and I have Puma, I have Jordan, and I have Adidas, even, even like um, Reebok, I will go to that before Under Armour. Like as a player, like in terms of marketing and sales, like Under Armour hired Curry because they needed him. Like they, they, they dropped so much this year um, when it comes to sales and the market, market share that they needed someone like Steph Curry to help them. So I was, I would be shocked if Under Armour was like, Steph, I'll give you our kidney. Like just take what you want because we need you to save our company, our jobs. We'll talk. Um, look, COVID has been a crazy, like 2020 has been crazy because of COVID and we've all been staying home and I've never worn so much track pants in my life. <laughs> I, mean, I wear and I stay in track pants and I've exceeded my track, span, my track pants expectations like 20 fold. Um, and I still wouldn't wear a pair of Under Armour track pants. <laughs> talk. And I, I mean, not me coming off my cash like if i was coming off my ducats nah I, there's other brands i'd rather buy you know the swoosh the stripes uh some pumas something and i, I just don't think they've pivoted great to like the whole leisure wear like I, i'll admit my cousin got me a pair of uh, under armor flip-flops a couple years ago mm -hmm. and them things is very comfortable Okay. <laughs> I was like, these flip flops feel like I'm in like some sort of like futuristic gel type of. It's they're proper. Yeah. You know, I mean, besides flip flops, the the brand isn't swaggy. Like you don't see the kids, like you don't ever see somebody like, you know, like you go into like a variety store, you go into like a grocery store, you're doing groceries, and someone's wearing like an ill track suit, and you look to, you know, you know, you're not trying to look too hard, but you're trying to peep over to be like, what 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 are they rocking? 
It never says Under Armour. Never, <laughs> never, never, never. And I don't know how Steph's going to... No, what, what can Steph... He shoots threes. How is he going to fix that? Mm. Yo, like, honestly, I agree with you. Again, congrats to Steph. I'm not knocking what he's doing. I think it's great. Because remember, Check. he's trying to help him. You know, um, I think he's trying to um, help him um, help with kids playing and, like, with sports. So the foundation behind the, behind his brand, love it, what he's doing. However, I don't think it's the best fit for Steph. However, um, Under Armour, they dropped so much in sales and market share this year that they, they must have begged him, like begged him to be on because they needed some type of cool guy, an NBA superstar to try to shift and get some money. But the problem that I had with them was that they were trying to um, bid against Jordan brand. I'm like, first of all, Under Armour, you're, like, you're not even top five brand in the world. Or, or or North America, or even in a state. So how are you, how are you going to try to try, try to in five years compete with Jordan? That's very ambitious. I like it, but it's just not going to happen anytime soon. There's too many other brands coming up that Under Armour can't even compete with yet. So Jordan is over here. Under Armour, you're still over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at him. Get the bag. Like, yeah, if, get the money. Give me a deal. I mean, and the bag was proper. I wouldn't say no. I mean, but I would need to have some creative control, to be honest, because, you know, it's right now it's all about leisure wear and their leisure wear is it's, it's for hockey moms. It's terrible. So here's a million dollar question. Does Seth Curry rock his brother's kicks and be a, a Curry ambassador for Underarm? If Steph is cutting a check, he does, mm -hmm. you know. In the real world, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I mean, I, I can see Steph sending these shoes to his friends. You know how they do like marketing. I remember LeBron sent shoes to like Martin Lawrence. So I, I can see Steph sending shoes to like, you know, maybe Clay a pair, send a pair to like Braun, you know, because remember he's doing golf and basketball as well. Right. So I can see him doing that. So, so Steph won't have to pay for a shoe, a pair of shoes because he'll get it for free. But I mean, I, I really hope like they find a way to, because what I'm seeing right now, I'm not really, I'm not buying it right now. Like what I'm seeing is not something that I'm, I'm appealed to me, but um, I have a question well, for y'all. So I actually did some searching on the top five uh, footwear um, right now. So this company called Piper Sandler. So they do like surveys for teens and you know, teens are the number one, I would say spenders right now in America. Mm -hmm. So they did a survey um on the top brands right so under armor just so you know they were number nine in the spring now they've dropped to 11th place for footwear okay so that's why you know i was saying you know they need stuff curry to at least come back up to nine <laughs> because right now they're at <laughs> 11 11 right now so i want you guys to guess the top three foot apparel footwear brands amongst teens right now in, in in North America, and again, this is probably the top footwear brands. Um, and this these numbers came out in October 2020. So I'll go Nike, Adidas. I want to say Puma, but I know Puma is not the one, so I'm not going to slip it in three. <laughs> Nike, Adidas, Skechers. Okay. <laughs> Look at Agile's face. Skechers. Like... <laughs> How about you, Agile? Um. If Jordan counts as a brand, I'd say... No, so Jordan is under Nike. It's under Nike brand. It would be like Nike... Uh, no, sorry. It'd probably Vans, Nike, Adidas, Reebok. But like your top three, though. What are your top three brands? Yeah, I, I would go Vans, Nike, Adidas. Okay. That's good. I like Vans. That's good. So the winner is... Um, so right brands agile, but wrong order. Um, okay. so he's human. 52% uh, favorite brand. Again, that's, that's in sales and market share is Nike mm -hmm. 52%. Okay. Mm -hmm. With 17% second place is Vans. Right. Good call. And in third agile. Place with 11% is Adidas. Now, keep in mind, guys, the fifth place, so, so it's Converse is fourth, 4%, and right. Foot Locker is 2% market share. So the, so, so the other 1.9% is where Under Armour is, and they're 11th. You understand? Okay. 
So, <laughs> so Steph has a, a really, really high mountain to climb. But hey, I like that he got money for this and it's a good foundation. But bro, competing against Jordan is not going to happen yet. Give yourself at least 20, 20 more years and we'll see where, where you go from there. But the Jordan brand is just so strong. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be around, like, n- n- number one for a long time. Right. So we have a segment called For the Culture. And just how Agile just won that sneaker comp. Uh, he's definitely, he understands, he's got, he's got his finger on the pulse of culture. Uh, Nelly J, you want to take us into for, for the culture? So for the culture, y'all, you know, we like to highlight uh, people, places, organizations that are for the culture. And Agile, we want to talk about your, the foundation that you're a part of as a board. It's called SOCAN, right? Yeah, SOCAN Foundation. So kind of walk the viewers and listeners as to what SOCAN is mm-hmm. and how they can obviously support you guys. So um, SOCAN is the it's, it's an acronym for the Society of Composers and Authors of Canada. And they collect royalties on behalf of songwriters, publishers, artists, and authors uh, around, around the world. And they um, distribute those royalties to said you know, intellectual property owners. Um, so let's say that me and Fahid wrote a song, me and Fahim, sorry, I'm sorry, wrote a song and we put it out and it blew up and Fahim wrote the lyrics, I did the music, he owns half, I own half. So can, if we're a, a member of SoCan, they would go collect those royalties. So like in France and in Britain, wherever they're playing it. And, you know, each different territory pays out at a different time, but they would collect it on our behalf and then they pay us. And, they, and SoCan takes a very, very small percent. So That's so dope. Yeah, I so that. that's, what the, what, that's what SoCan does. So I'm on the SoCan Foundation Board. So what we do at the foundation is um, we have a certain amount of money every year and we distribute that to uh, artists, so songwriters, um, as well as different societal and organizations who uh, represent composers and writers and publishers across Canada. So we give funding to them. So um, we have, you know, so for for example, we have a grant called the Travel Assistance Grant. So say that once again, say that Fahim is going to Paris because he's going to perform at a showcase out there for a bunch of uh, a bunch of people who book artists. So he, you know the it's a big showcase out there. He needs some extra dough to go there. We provide a grant. It's called the Travel Assistant Grant. He can apply. It's easy to get if you're a, if you're a member. It's quick. You go. You do your showcase. You come back. We cut the check. It's a wrap. Wow. So um, mm. at, what we do at the foundation is our our job is to create create strategies to target uh, emerging songwriters and help sustain and help grow. Uh, career songwriters through our, our granting system. Um, this year, we introduced the the Black Composers Awards, uh, Canadian Black Composers Awards. So that's the first time. I know it, it, it seemed like it, it dropped in this terrible year of 2020, but it's been something that the board's been working on for years. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that, you know, we, we had planned to roll it out at a certain time and then COVID happened. So we had to push it back a little bit and we just got pushed right till, you know, what seemed the optimal time which was september yeah so we just did our first awards we just finished having the uh that meeting and we're about to announce those in january so we had five uh, awards of five thousand dollars each for emerging artists so we want we decided to target uh black artists that are emerging and um it was quite simple you have to be a socan member canadian and submit uh a work that you've a new work that has been created in the last two years. Mm. So it's pretty simple uh, qualifications, and then we had great we had a great panel of um, you know publishers, people in the music industry, other artists, and they sat on the jury, and you know we had um, three hundred submissions. I ask you how many people? Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of music, but I mean. That's amazing. The, so much fire. It was there was so much fire. Like to be honest, we could have given out twenty five. Wow. Incredible. It's hard though. Like, how do you pick to five? Like, I always wondered about that. Like, how do you like decide between like 
you know, was it 50 amazing artists, great songs, originality. We got to only pick five. Like that must be so hard to do. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. I, I think, you know, the first two or three were easy. I mean, the way the system, the, the way we've set up the system and, it, you know, shout out to the classical music side of things. Um, Cause in, in classical music, there's a lot of competition for, uh, for, for prizes and granting. So like, the, the whole structure of that industry is set up for that. Mm. So, you know, with, with, with the black, with the Canadian, the, with the black Canadian music award, um, we kind of took that skeleton and, and brought it in, in terms of how to go through the applications. So it was pretty easy in terms of like, once everybody did it and we sat down, you know, you just literally ran the spreadsheet and it showed you who was rated at the top. Right, and there was a, a couple clear-cut people that we all were excited about. Mm -hmm. So those those two, two or three slid through. It was the last two that yeah. were because that's where that's when the playing field, you know, like if if, and I'm just throwing out these numbers as an example. This is not accurate, but like you know, so if the first two or three were like, you know, across the board, they were hitting almost ten out of ten. And then the number two person was hitting almost 10 out of 10 and the number three person was hitting like 9.5. And those were the the, the the top three ones. Then the last two, there was probably like 30 people that were all hitting like 8.59. So they were all worthy and they were all fire. And then it was, you know, then it was arguments and debates and um, democracy. You know, democracy mm -hmm. went out. It was just like, okay... When we, when we can't be unanimous anymore, you know, we just whittled it down. We went from like, you know, 10 to five to two, and then that's it. Okay. So after you get to that one, is there anything you guys do to help groom? Uh, groom uh, them, or is it mainly just a, a grant and, and do your best with the money that you've got? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a no strings attached grant. You, you know, here you won this is your dough it was uh co-sponsored by sirius xm so you know it's nice yeah, to see that's dope. nice to see uh you know a corporation benefiting from the community giving back to the community so shout outs right. to them right. uh, for their corporate responsibility that's really dope to see um and yeah i mean they we give them the money and hopefully it furthers their career i, I mean the good thing about people who applied for that no one's applying to to win a grant to get five racks to go hit the mall right yeah you know? and like when when you're when you're when you're thinking like that you're you're like if i if i get five racks i'm gonna get some studio time i might get a, a piece of gear or two so i can save on some costs or maybe that can get me this little video that i want put together epk tighten up my website get some merch their thing their, their wheelhouse is already I mean, and that's our job, right? Is to take the little money that we have and seed it throughout the ecosystem so that we keep, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, into into the Canadian music industry. And that's what we do at the foundation. It's super important work. No, that's dope. Can someone uh, win or get the grant on two different, like multiple years? Like say you get it this year, you put out banging music and then next year you put out banging music. Can you go back again? Uh, for the for the Black Canadian Music Awards, I, I'm not too sure about that one. For other okay. for other grants, you can. I think there's a a limit of up to two or three, depending on on what grant you're applying for. Mm -hmm. um, but we have different grants and awards at the at the foundation. SoCanFoundation.ca. If you want to go check out, um, you know, if you want to go check out uh, the different things that we have available to people. Um, but it's it's super vast, right? It's from classical music to popular music, uh, festivals. I mean, things like the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. They're one of, you know, we give them what's called operational funding. You know, it's it's important work that we do, right? Mm -hmm. I was gonna ask you about that because I feel like 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 you were there when the Juno Awards when a lot of the black artists boycotted it, right? Um, that was that a couple of years ago when I think it was Cardinal Official, Julie Black, they boycotted the Juno Awards because they felt that it wasn't showing enough black musicians and the black artists that we have in Canada. 
So I, I remember, well, I think it was four years ago, they all boycotted the award show. Do you think we'll ever have our own kind of Black Canadian awards for like our own artists, for like the ones that are in Toronto? Is there one right there right now? Like, you know, we have BET in, in America. We, we won't get a BET kind of like that stuff in Canada, do you think? We, we did have one in the early 2000s. It was called UMAC. It was uh, short for the Urban Music Academy of Canada. Okay. I'm not sure what happened with UMAC in terms of, uh, I know they're kind of kicking around a little bit, but they're not like, I mean, they had award shows and they were super part of the industry. We need something like that again. And then, you know, we had the Stylus Awards, which is a, a DJ oriented awards, which is really mm -hmm. dope too. Um, but we, ha we haven't been able to, we haven't had access to the things that would keep uh, these things sustainable. We've okay. all been locked out. So this has been been a year where, where like, you know, white guilt has kicked in, you know, because of uh, some of the visual atrocities being uh, exhibited on our people for display. And they're starting to see like, oh, wow, things aren't as even as we have a mental picture of. And there's been more outreach to try to make that better. I mean, it's late, but I, it's here now, right? So yeah. I can either be on the sidelines and complaining about how late it is, or I can be in the game and 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 try to figure out the best uses for some of these things and, and, and try to help people. Um, I mean, the Junos are in, are not in a great situation. You know, they've they alienated the biggest artist to ever come out of this country, period. Yes. He just happens to be black. Mm -hmm. um, and he happens to be a hip hop artist. <laughs> um, so they alienated him and, you know, did did the highest disrespectful thing I've ever seen in an award show. And it was just more indicative of the, the culture, right? Like, I, when I say the culture, I mean the Canadian music culture. They're so behind and they're so... It's just weird. I mean, that's the only way I could say it's weird because, okay, when my group, when we first put our first record in 1999, we did that independently. We thought we had a hot record. I didn't know nothing about nothing. I just knew that we had a hot record. We put our own money into it. We pressed it up. We mailed it and FedExed it to, to DJs around the world and they played it. We sent it to distributors. They told us no. We sent it to other distributors. They said, yeah, sure. Started selling. And then all of a sudden, those same distributors that said no started hitting us up and be like, hey, remember that record you sent? Could you send us some of those records? Interesting. That was my, that was my introduction to the to the music industry. That was 1999. And I, I you know, right out the, out the box, I learned like, you have to do it yourself and no is a normal thing. People are always going to say no. You just can't listen to them. Um, right. When it comes to the Canadian music industry, they've been saying no to black music so long that they didn't get the memo that the landscape of music has changed. Their kids aren't going to Longa McQuaid to buy an acoustic guitar. They're going to Longa McQuaid. You. <laughs> They're going to Longa McQuaid to buy uh, turntables and an MPC or a machine or some sort of beat thing. These kids are making music on their computers. And what do they listen to? They listen to Post Malone. They listen to Little Yachty. They listen to, you know, uh, Lil. Little fill in the blank, little pump, somebody, you know, what I mean? the baby, all the guys, yeah, yeah little baby, the baby, all them. That's what the kids listen to the the kids. There's no like punk or rock groups. There's no some forty ones that are kicking dust. They're like either boy bands or they're rappers, mm -hmm. and they missed the boat so long that they don't even know what to do anymore at this point. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It seems that way. Like I don't know of any other like Canadian black artists. The ones that are good are all like underground or like they're on Toronto rappers, but like. We had an artist on our show the other day, Bodie, and he has great songs. And I'm like, why aren't they on the radio? Like, these songs are fire. My friends are like, yo, those are great songs. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not on our radio. Why is that? It's weird how we will play hip-hop artists in America before we play our own artists in Canada. It's just messed up. Yeah, well, once again, you know, it's twofold. A lot of the, the, the music directors and program directors at the Canadian radio stations here, this is what they actually do, which is hilarious because that's this is not what they should be doing, but this is what they actually do. So they look at what's charting in the States. They see what's top 40. And if something hits top 40 in the States, they might consider adding it here. Crazy. <laughs> now, what they what the, what the that job used to in, entitle, entail 
was for those people to listen to the records that they were receiving, whether it was independently or from the record labels, and then make accurate judge, uh, uh, judgments based on their music knowledge. But they're not hiring these people because they have music knowledge. They're hiring an analysts, you know, that are that are charting data. And I'm like, you guys aren't even looking at the right data. Like, you're, the radio stations in this country don't reflect what the people in this country actually listen to, right? Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I remember when we put out our first records, and as an independent group, like, we could tour, we can make money, we could sell our merch and all that stuff. And, you know, you do shows all over, all over the States, all over here, and you go to after parties and stuff. And they're playing our music. And it's a mixed crowd, no matter... Like, you know, we're in Boston opening for Farside. And it's like the whitest of the whitest crowds. You go to the after party, and it's all hip-hop all night. And mm -hmm. like early 2000s. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I used to come back, and I used to always think that, you know, they would be like, oh, well, you know, your stuff's not being played because it's not really selling. And I'm just like, that doesn't really compute because I'm in the clubs. I'm a DJ. I'm like... <laughs> I'm not playing for all black people all the time. I'm spinning for every nation under the sun, and they're singing all the words to the songs that, that I like, the hip-hop and R&B stuff that I like, the house yeah. music that I like. And, um, you know, it was always this BS that they were selling us that, you know, these, these records aren't translating to sales, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, are you sure? Because everybody in the club knows the words to all these songs. Like a song like East uh, Tried by 12 by the East Flatbush Projects, which is like a super, super underground, obscure hip hop record, was a huge club record with the most random people coming up asking us to play this record. Wow. And I'm like, if that song is breaking through and it's only available on vinyl, how are. I'm like, what you're telling me doesn't make sense. And sure enough, you fast forward to, you know, the streaming era now where we can see the data. It's not just sales charts, which can be skewed. You can see what people are listening to. And it's like we said, not only do we dominate, it is not even close. Like, it's hip-hop and R&B. And the, what's coming in next is dance music. And that's like being lapped like five times. And then after that is like rock being lapped like 25 times. Yeah. It's not even close. It's like, it's not fair. It's kind of like, you know me going to a daycare and beating up all the kids and i'm like yeah i'm i'm, I'm the man on the block it's like bro, you beat up a daycare <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close like not even yeah. close yeah right. well you know what like big up to socan foundation folks it's uh socanfoundation.ca so check them out support them and of course let's all support the black canadian music awards and good luck to all the artists and hopefully we can see who wins when you guys announce it in January. So congrats to that. I'm happy that you're a part of that. Okay. Yeah. And as we, as we transition out of the For the Culture segment, just want to make it known. Um, Agile, yes, you sir. are on Netflix. Yes. Uh, the evolution of hip-hop. You're on Netflix, Agile? What? So you, what? you need to drop, drop a bomb with this one. Let us know about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I did all the music well, the majority of the music for seasons three and seasons four. So anything that's not a um, a licensed song, so, you know, don't think that you hear the Snoop Dogg song playing and that was me. I wish that was, <laughs> that's not me. Um, but uh, yeah, all the all the music, like all the background music and the outro. So the, the outro of the show and all the background music. Um, there he is, there he is. Big Netflix, up, big up at Agile. That's huge, bro. And so stream, stream that into the ground. Stream that into the ground. It's going to pay some bills around here. That's so, guys, um, for the culture, please stream hip-hop. Um, uh, the evolution, Evo right? Evolution of hip-hop. Hip-hop. Stream that so I can get some money in his pocket. That's More right. money in his pocket, I should say. <laughs> All right. And that concludes the For the Culture segment. Um, also, so actually, I want to mention this. Uh, the Raptors. So there's the in-house DJ that they have, uh, the DJ Four Corners. Four Corners, Kirk, what's up? That's hey, the definitely well-known rocking a house, keeping people entertained. Yeah. Uh, while the game is going on, in between keeping the vibe awesome right. Too. Uh, when he's not available, we got DJ Aja who steps in on the ones and twos. Yeah, I'm like the I'm like the replacement killer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kirk is ever, if, if Kirk's ever sick or, um, you know, a couple of times uh, there was questions about his flight coming back because of weather or things like that. He might, he might've been late or whatever. I've, I've been on standby. So I've, I, you know, like usually with, usually within a regular season, I'll do at least like two or three games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a great honor to, to fill in for Kirk and, you know, be a part of the Raptors. Obviously I'm a fan and I'm a basketball nut. So it, you know, combines my love of sports and music together. And it's, and it's great. You know, it's DJing a basketball game is not like DJing a party, right? Like I'll ask you, yeah. Like define or walk us through how is the difference of DJing a Raptors game versus a, a party? Well, you have, um, you have like the, the, the controller of everything. So that's a department within the Raptors called game operations. So they, you know, that's like where Mark strong and cat, and Kirk from Four Corners and everybody and their mom that's part of the operation of the game. Uh, that's not like security or ushers or whatever. This is like the entertainment part, right? Um, so you have game ops in one ear and then I have my turntables and stuff in the other ear. So they're letting me know like, oh, there's a timeout coming. Um, we have, we're, we're throwing to this BMO thing and the song is blah, blah, blah. So I have that song. So you get all this stuff in advance. So it's very like, you know, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. It's all scripted and stuff. So where the DJing part comes in is when those things are done, when we're, we're done our commitments, right? Before they start throwing the ball back in and you hear us mixing a song in, that's us doing us. Mm. You know, you that first song, that's part of the, you know, whatever was planned for that segment. And then we can kind of add our own flavor to it. Nice. All right. So, well, since you, as you said, you're a ball nut, uh, you know, that. so let's get into some that's absurd. That's absurd. Fahim, bro, what was absurd this week, bro? What was absurd? <laughs> so I have to say uh, this absurd topic that we have is, I wouldn't say it's Hall of Fame, but it's worth mentioning. It's R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. He's actually snubbed from the NBA All-Rookie Team. Absurd. Confusion. He didn't make first team or second team uh, for the rookies. So that's definitely something I have to say that's pretty absurd. Uh, RJ himself, he obviously was not happy about this. Uh, He says, quote, it bothered me a lot, but you know, it's motivation, unquote. So he's going to take this as a motivation going into next season as being snubbed as a, a first or second team. Let me just quickly go over that. It's John Morant. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, Brendan Clark, Zion Williamson, and Eric Paschal. That's uh, the first team, second team is Tyler Hero, Terrence Davis, Kobe White, PJ Washington, and Rui Hashimura. Uh, so those were the, t- the guys that made it before him. Uh, Agile, what do you say? No first, second team for RJ. Real quick, what do you, you got to say? How Absurd, not absurd, what do you say? Look, I'm an RJ fan. You know, he's his mm-hmm. dad... Played in Scarborough. Right. Yep. Rowan Barrett. Yeah. So, of course, I'm a fan. But, look, his numbers look good, but his shooting percentage is terrible. His percentages are terrible. Of course, you didn't make the teams. Your percentages are terrible, bro. You're shooting bricks from the free throw line. Look, I think he's going to be a good player in this league. I think he has the potential to be a star player. He has all the gifts. But you got to be efficient. This is the NBA. This is the NBA in 2020. You got to be efficient. I'm sorry. Like, I play fantasy, so I know those numbers. I'm fantasy too. <laughs> I would not. He would not be. I, I, I'm in a in a ten team, thirteen cat league. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be my thirteenth player because he would tank my free throw percentages and he would tank my field goal percentages. Mm-hmm. Just on that alone, and if I'm not punting those, bro, you can't be every <laughs> bro. Ten Scarborough right here, not Scarborough. <laughs> All 10 players you named have had better rookie years than he did. Mm. And you know what? I really can't argue that. Like, uh, I mean, I can. Uh, I'll, I will argue it. How about please that? Do. Because please this do. is my thing, right? Good points about fantasy, but let's be real. Artist numbers was way better than Terrence Davis. No, wait. Not, not efficient. It was. No, it was. Look, look up the numbers. It was better numbers in terms of uh, uh, points, score, average points scored in the game. He plays Terrence for the was, Pardon me? 
He plays for the Knicks. Me and Fahim would get. I, I, I get that. But at the end of the day, though, if we just stats, um, RJ had better stats. And again, he's, he's playing for a bad team. So the chemistry that Terrence had on Raptors, remember, he's playing with a championship team. So I feel like they're. I think RJ being can, the Canadian player, um, not really having the connection that maybe other American players have. I don't know. Like, to me, it's kind of, a, kind of like a hating kind of thing. Like, I feel like he should have at least gotten second team, at least second team, personally. Right. There's so no way. First team, I with first team with first team. Yes, that team is good. I have no problem with that first team. The second team, and again, I like Terrence Davis. Not anymore. What happened with, with you know his, with his girlfriend, whatever. But alleged, alleged, allegedly, yeah, alleged, stuff, alleged stuff. But he got charged. Um, but <laughs> end of the day, for me, it's like I I love Terrence playing for the Raptors. But if I'm going to pick between RJ and Terrence for that team, I'm picking RJ Barrett over Terrence. I I am. I may I, so. And I may go uh, RJ just due to the fact that uh, RJ, he, there's more, there's, he has more commitment. Like, there's more on his shoulders, right? Terrence can come in and just slip in and do what he's he needs bench. to do. He's in the bench. He's coming off the bench, uh, like playing well. RJ, he's doing the heavy lifting, and he's actually carrying a franchise. Yeah, I, guys, I get that. But yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the percent. I, I have them both open here. Yeah. Terrence Davis, forty-two percent from three. Mm. But playing like what? But playing how many minutes though a game? Ten minutes? Two minutes? Like what is he playing per game? He's probably playing about fifteen minutes. What'd you say? Fourteen minutes. Fourteen, 14? minutes. That's right, right. Yeah. And what's RJ playing? Like twice as much. Probably thirty minutes. It's probably. Mm. Look, I'm not. No one's saying that RJ is not carrying a heavier load, mm. right? But you know, Terrence is forty-eight percent field goal percentage from the field. Mm -hmm. 42 from three mm. he hit all his free throws for the season take right. that in right but but right. also though keep in mind though agile that is also pressure and ment mental health right if i'm coming off the bench and i'm playing with freddie and kyle Lowry, i have less pressure on my shoulder to just kind of come off be more loose and be more confident because i know i have siakam here i have Serge here i have mark like i'm on a better team i have nick nurse coaching me so I'm in a better environment, whereas I think RJ is in a, is in a very hostile, weird situation in, in the Knicks. So to me, I got to say when it comes to percentages, but you can't only look at paper. Paper isn't enough. Watching okay. watching these both players, watching Terrence and RJ playing, we, we were RJ was drafted at a high pick. He's a better athlete and player than Terrence. I'm not drafting RJ, I mean Terrence over RJ in any draft, okay? Nope. <laughs> For any reason. So he's the better player, yes, but I think that he should he still should have made a second team, at least second team. I say second team also. Yeah. So who are you booting off the second team? Terrence? Yeah, Terrence. No, I wouldn't move Terrence. I would... You wouldn't? No. I'd move Terrence. You'd move him? Head hurts. Who would you move? Arrow? <laughs> who would you move? Tyler? Uh, no, maybe maybe PJ Washington. PJ Washington from Charlotte. No, PJ had remember, a right? Remember though, it's two guards. It, remember, it goes by two guards, right. a forward, center. So it has to be a guard. You have to, it has move. to be a guard. So it's Terrence. Uh it's a tough one. Terrence or RJ. So I'm gonna say, is Terrence or Tyler? Who are you gonna move? Neither. They Neither. <laughs> I'm moving Terrence easily. I'm they... sorry, RJ. So at the yeah, end of the day, okay. I, I, I'm thinking about who I draft in, in okay. order. It was RJ or Terrence for my team. I'm picking RJ. When it comes to last year, I think if RJ played for the Raptors, he had have big numbers too. Like real talk. Like like I think. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So if I'm putting uh, Terrence on, on the Knicks, he's having a worse year. So I think with, with, with RJ's situation, what he was given, I think he still did quite well given in his situation of the New York Knicks, which is total garbage, right? So. Again, I don't think first team would be for him because I think Jaw, like he's obviously rookie of the year. He's amazing. But I think second team, and I love Terrence as a Raptor fan, but RJ or Terrence, I'm picking RJ every single time. I don't know. You, I mean, you did give you, you did give a point. If RJ was playing on the Raptors, he'd have better stats for sure. I mean, I just feel when Nick, when Nick players are – would Nick players <laughs> complain that they're not getting the respect? I'm just like, your team stinks. Like you, that doesn't come with that team. Like, I'm sorry, the Knicks have sucked for 20 years. Now you know they have new leadership up top, and apparently things are going to be different. But I mean, if you're a Nick player, just deal with it for now, because mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes, you're not going to be on on an all rookie team because while your 14 point whatever points per game looks good, when you dig a little deeper, it's like, bro, you shot 67 percent from the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah. That that is low. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess this went from that's absurd to maybe it's not that absurd. No, for me, it's absurd, y'all. It's absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. That's what I think. What was that, DJ Aja? I said, I think uh, RJ complaining he didn't make it is absurd. Uh, that, that's what I think. If you're a Nick, you're not making it until you, your team does some push-ups. Like, <laughs> get your weight up. Get your weight up. All righty. Knicks fans, sorry. Well, hey, but Knicks this... fans are still making that guap, though. They're making that guap as a franchise, so... They can suck all they want because they're making so much money. Their fans are so loyal. They're like the Leafs fans, they're like Toronto like Leafs. Fans, yeah. Like <laughs> they will forever, forever support the Knicks, no matter what. Yeah. All right, Lisa. So, <laughs> let's put this episode in the books. Episode sixteen. Sixteen. We want to Yo. thank Aja for coming through. DJ Agile, big up yourself, Bredron. Big up yourself. Guys, <laughs> it's been fun. This has been really dope. <laughs> Thank so you. before you head out, DJ Ajal, we want to give you a chance to do a shout out. You can shout out your friends, your family, anybody. So the floor is yours. Yeah, shout out, you know, all the friends and fam. You know who you are. And shout out Scrub Number One. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Scrub Number One? I want to know who that is. <laughs> he knows who he is. He's listening. He knows. I'm being a Mako. I'm being a Mako. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So my shout out actually is towards... Um, the quarterback for the Broncos, I forgot his name, Mercy. Let me put up a name for it quickly. But so the Broncos had a QB situation this week. So they're, they had three quarterbacks, of course. All of them got COVID. Yeah. So they weren't able to start any quarterback. So they had a fella that was a wide receiver on the practice squad who played as a quarterback this past weekend. <laughs> mm. It was insane. So I want to shout you out, Burrow, because... I can't imagine being a wide receiver and then playing in a football, an NFL game mm. as a quarterback. So his name is Kendall Hinton. Big up yourself, bro. Shout you out. You deserve respect because what you did to play a full football game in a professional level, being a wide receiver, kudos to you, bro. Is he black? Yeah, he's black. Yeah, his name's Kendall Hinton. I'm like, he's yeah, got... Hinton. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kendall Hinton. <laughs> got it. So... I know, I know my people. <laughs> yeah, so, so shout you out, bro. Uh, my shout out's easy. I want to shout out DJ Agile. It's been a pleasure. It's been a while since I've, I've seen you, and uh, it's great being able to build with you once again. Yeah, it's good seeing you, homie. Great having you on the podcast. Um, and that's it. Let's do it in the books, episode number 16. 16, y'all. So please share, like, and share with a friend to share with a friend. Check out DJ Agile. His Insta will have it for y'all to check him out and, and of course, support uh, his SoCan Foundation that he's a, a member of. Let's support our own guys and congrats to whoever won the Black uh, Music Awards this year. <laughs> that's right. All right. So that's Good Rookies Podcast, episode 16. And we out. Peace.